0: This is Jordan Edwards, and this is the Business Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. I'm here with Ricardo Almeida, an absolute legend in our sport, Uh, a a true figure, true martial artist, um, someone who has accomplished so much and seems so young. I know you're not as young as it says you are, but you look unbelievable.
1: (laughs) Thank you, man. (laughs) Thank you. It keeps us young
0: yeah you're about 10 years older than me i, th- I think you're about 44
1: 44 yeah
0: so you're not i'm 35 and when i say that you look better than 95 of my friends who don't train jujitsu, <laughs> that would not be an overstatement uh it's hard to believe that you uh you accomplished so much and started so young
1: yeah man now that it's been you know quite some time since i've competed it's been like over 10 years since i've Professionally, You know, I still try to do just the competitions. But when I try to think back of ADCC and, and UFC and stuff like that, it just seems like such a long time ago, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I'm not going to be able to restate everything because it's just too much. But you are a veteran of the UFC. You are a veteran of pride. You are a ADCC two-time medalist, Pan-American champion, Masters champion, uh, Brazilian world champion
1: you' a
0: national champion. you a national champion and uh, and that's only beginning to scratch the surface of your achievements as a professional fighter. Um, you're also a world renowned coach, and you have given the start to so many incredible fighters. Gordon Ryan was on the podcast last week, and he gave, you know gave you a lot of credit for his early formation and Tom De Blas and Gary Tonin, and so many others. Uh, someone who's influenced me recently, Chris Matakis, as as an author. You're, you're coaching high, high, high-level world championship, mixed martial artists as well as like Frankie Edgar. And um, and someone who fascinates me endlessly, this gentleman, and I'm not gonna even try to say his last name, but Zabit. And everybody who's a martial arts fan will, will know Zabit. Is
1: the last name. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um so I am incredibly grateful that you would take the time to speak to me and be a contributor to this project. It's something that's so near and dear to my heart. I'm a business person, although martial arts and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu has shaped who I am and everything that I do in business, um, is influenced by my teachings and learnings on the mat. You may know or have encountered my sensei Nardu Debra. He's a, uh, black belt under Henzo and John Danahar and, uh, even though he might say that business isn't his forte, he's taught me more about business than he could ever know. You know, and we when we sit down and we talk on the mat. And so, I wrote a book about three years ago with my dad, chronically my first ten years in business. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that book was finished, it was so rewarding. I said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna write another book." And the first thing that came to mind was jujitsu and how impactful it's been on my life. And so, I conceptualized business jujitsu. And I'm specifically interested in in exploring and researching the principles, you know, the principles that govern this sport and, and why someone like yourself who is this incredibly successful martial artist could then transition to be such a, you know, open a a beautiful Academy and inspire all these people. And now you're this great coach. But with all of that being said, the true reason why I reached out to you and, um, why I'm so grateful to that you that you uh, that you responded, and I'm just going to share my screen for a moment. Is this post right here? Can you see my screen?
1: Yep. Ah, cool. <laughs> uh,
0: amongst all of your other incredible achievements, I don't think that any of them is as great as the fact that you are willing to share with the world that you are. Continuing your evolution and your training, and I did something similar. I, I went to the, uh, a continue education program at Harvard to take uh, a 150-hour three-course program, which transformed my life. And so, enough of me talking. I'd love to learn about you and hear about that program. And uh, you know, I have a bunch of questions prepared that I'd love to, to dig into you. But can you just share a little bit about that program and? And maybe we could work backwards from coaching to professional fighting.
1: So, man, you know, like when I stopped fighting, right, um, I, I think I've, I always, even as a fighter, I always had a sense that I was a teacher first and that a big part of me competing, part of it was just personally just being, you know, competitive, you know, trying to be the, the best I could possibly be as a fighter. But a big motivation for me was always to bring back some of my lessons and eventually be able to share with our students, you know. And I've always had the sense that there was more out there to explore. And when I stopped fighting, you know, you go from training two times, three times a day, and you have, like, all this built-up energy. And I've always looked for, for different things to, to explore, you know. So in the recent years, I've explored a little bit more of the side of, like, digital marketing with, uh, you know, with Facebook ads. Like, uh, my, gro- my, uh, my girlfriend, you know, now we live together, but, you know, 10 years ago, we kind of moved in together and she was doing all these Google ads certification all these things. So I'm like, oh, let me try this out, you know. And we've been able to, to start and grow a couple of businesses actually through Facebook ads We were able to grow uh, the presence of Gracie Baja in Arizona, like, tremendously. Uh, was a project that I did together with my brother at the time, and then I was kind of, like, in charge of, you know, the school launches and stuff. And you know now we'll, I think we we'll opened like eight schools in four or five years. You right? know, and the schools are very successful, and it's a great area also. But uh, you know, recently I've kind of gotten more into you know just my own thing, and and I guess I got targeted by an ad, and I saw this exercise physiology thing at Stanford, and then I signed up. And man, it was really hard, man. It was it was very time consuming. You know, I was probably putting. Like an extra, I put it like 10, 12, 14 hour 14 hours a week during six weeks. So I would have to come home. And you know, some days I was up until like two o'clock in the morning, like after after teaching class and and getting this thing done. And there was a couple of research projects. There was like some interviews. I actually ended up interviewing Frankie and you know, people in my in mark and coach Mark and a couple of people in my circle. But it was it was very labor intensive and time consuming, but it was Incredible, you know, I wish I knew a lot of the stuff that I learned in this course, as far as like training and recovery, and you know, little little hacks here and there for our own training. I wish I knew all that when I was still a fighter. But uh, you know, I just try to share it with my guys, and uh, yeah, it was awesome. You know, if I have a chance to do something like that again, for sure I'll do it.
0: You wrote something similar on that post, and it, it was really beautiful uh, talking about what you just said. If you if you only knew then. What you know now, and uh, and that is always the the curse of as we get older and as we continue to evolve. Um, I was I recently spoke to Professor John Donahar on this subject, and he said, and we were talking about this exact thing: uh, the continue of ev- you know evolution and constant learning, and you're going back and you're studying and you're reading, and we wish we would have had these these tools back then, but but now we do. Most people, when they're starting out, they don't realize this. They don't realize that someone like you who's had so much success in so many different arenas is still hitting the books, is still hitting the road. You're running, you're training, you're running your academies. Uh, one of the influences for, for starting to write this book is all of the young guys at my, at my dojo who come to me, they know that I run successful businesses and they, they ask me these questions and they're expecting instant gratification. Like I started this business and it's not successful. Like, well, would you expect to become a black belt in three weeks? You know, it's it's going to take decades of, of hard work and discipline to get there. So, uh, this exercise physiology degree that you earned from Stanford, how are you bringing that into your your daily practice in the in the in your academy?
1: So for now, I mostly just use it with our with our MMA guys. You know, like I'm um, still. Uh in the process of working on on a, on a platform or on a vehicle that I could reach out to people that are outside my, you know, daily circle of influence, which would be you know our team and our students. But uh, yeah, I, I'm able to share a lot with the guys, you know. I'm able to share a lot, a lot about you know just basic things, you know, how to build you know a robot base and, and you know improve max you know, math. And stuff. Improve your lactic trash, there a lot of things that really help them. And you know, some of them are just super, super simple concepts that you just have to do. And again, there's no substitute for just training. Yeah. All these little tweets and, and little tricks. Like sometimes you pick one or two and, and, and you're able to run with it. So, so for now, it's mostly mostly in the background, just me helping the guys and giving them that
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is there something in the water between Philadelphia and New York City that uh, all of these incredible athletes and and world champions seem to gravitate around your gym? And uh, whether it's, you know, starting in your academy or they're coming from Henzo's or vice versa, there seems to be um, quite a few big personalities and incredible athletes. And then I back that up, that question up with, then you're attracting guys like Zabit who come in. What do you think it is?
1: I mean, man, it's you know, I, I don't have uh I, I don't think I have a great school. I think people say, Oh god, I know you have an awesome school. I don't have it's not about the school, it's about the students, you know, like what makes what makes a, an incredible school is the type of people that are in there, not just the instructor. You know, because an instructor could be a world champion or it could be someone that has incredible knowledge about things, but can he or she one, convey the knowledge so that it's practical and someone could actually learn and, and and get to that same level to a similar level. And then the second is can you create a culture that facilitates that? Because you know, the big thing is about the culture. But as far as between Philly and New York, man, like I kind of I kind of place my school exactly where it is on purpose, which is kind of like where a lot of like the major highways sort of meet. And just to give you an example, I'm literally like halfway between Frankie Edgar and Eddie Alvarez. And how we all started training together, like Frankie kind of knew Eddie from back in the day and Eddie wanted to come in and spar with Frankie and I was still fighting, so I would spar Eddie and, you know, like a lot of people started coming. But I think that, you know, it was really when Frankie became a champion that, uh, a lot of people started to seek out the school, especially like professional fighters, you know, students, uh, you know, like our regular recreational students, kids and adults, like they hear about the reputation and the UFC, but it's not until they come in and they see the type of culture that we have and they see how much we love and how how proficient we actually are at training, just a regular person. You know, like they they, they think that they're gonna come in and they're gonna have to they're gonna have to raise to this level of you know, like I'm a pro. No, jiu-jitsu is for, for everyone, no matter where you are. You know, in your fitness, no matter where you are in your health, like provided that you don't have a medical condition that keeps you from training, once you're on the mats, like you're part of the team and, and anyone can be a part of it, you know. Men, women, kids, uh, sometimes people, even people with that with disabilities, depending on how severe those disabilities are. Yeah. But yeah, I've kind of been lucky, man, to to be passionate about jujitsu and be consistent with my passion and just kind of be on the mats all the time and like these guys just kind of started popping and coming in and, and, and I met Frankie and then Eddie and, and coach Mark that lives like 15 minutes from here. His son used to be my student and Zabit and these guys came for the team, you know, like, and I think a lot of it has to do with uh, Frankie being the type of person that he is, you know, like the hard work that he puts in and how he inspires other fighters. You know, a lot of people want to come and see what Frankie does.
0: You talked about the culture that you build at your gym, uh, from listening and of hearing you speak before, uh, and seeing you go into this degree for your students and to better yourself, is it, how, how do you how do you communicate that to the to the younger people to the guys that are coming up? Is this something that like you go out of your way to teach them and to impart on them, or do you do it through jujitsu?
1: I mean, man, like, depending on what uh, sort of, like, class you come at the school, right? Like, there's a sort of, like, uh, there's a sort of, there's a a degree of of culture that's embedded in that class, you know? So a basic class, you know, there's a certain degree of, hey, you know, we welcome everyone in, you know, but it's going to be hard, but, you know, we're going to guide you through it, and, you know, these are the steps, so it's very welcoming, whereas I'm teaching an advanced class. I demand more from the guys, you know, like uh, I had a couple teenagers in my class yesterday that, you know, they're a little bit too big for the for the kids' class and they want to come and train at the adults and, and the parents want them to train at the adults and these kids are like, you know, I'm already paying attention when I'm showing moves and then they want to come and ask me questions and I'm like, listen, you guys are not in the kids' class no more. You guys <laughs> keep not paying attention, you keep asking me like all these stupid questions, I'm going to take right back to the kids' class. Like over there, start, you know, you've been doing great and push-ups. Yeah, I do you know cool stuff, then pay attention and I'll teach you guys everything I know. Yep. and and yeah, and I once the kids are in the adults class, I hold them to that standard, you know, and, and hopefully they'll come back, but I think they will. And with the MMA guys, too, you know, and, and the MMA guys to a certain extent, it's not my culture, and even on the other classes, it's not just my culture, it's, it's the students that set the culture, you know. So, with the MMA team, like our team's small. Our guys train year round, you know, like we all sort of like support each other. Like the Russian guys, it's a little harder. You know, it's the beat and his cousin, you know, it's a little harder for them to be here year round. So they're probably like the only ones who just kind of pop in, do their camp and then they head back home. But most of our guys, you know, it's, we train year round, like whether you have a fight coming up or not, you got to train not only for you, but, you know, for the rest of the team. And like we have like a, like a tight knit group. The guys train, you know, a couple of days here with me, a couple of days they go to Nick Catons. They also train at Mark's, which Mark's place is actually his basement and not even, like, a gym. And, like, uh, a huge part of it is just kind of how we – it's, like, our approach to training and, like, our approach to the game, which doesn't come from me. It's just something that I am a part of and I'm kind of, like – a lot of the guys are fighting now, so I'm sort of in charge of kind of keeping things going, but it definitely doesn't come from me only. And I think – that's one of the unique things about the academy, you know. It's there's like some parameters, you know, like there's some guide, guidelines, and but for the most part, everyone that comes in, you know, you have a welcoming. Like putting your foot through the door the first day, like nobody's gonna hear what you have to say. But well, you've been in, and you know you're, you're a cool guy or a girl, and you're there. You're helping the team, and 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 you know you kind of put the team first in certain in certain things and other things obviously you're going to put yourself first and like you start to earn people's respect man and and, and once you earn people's respect and they start to listen to you they allow themselves to be influenced by you and and i try to i try to give room for that to grow you know like what what's more powerful than having a culture where like every person kind of like in that culture has a saying and that respect is not it, it's just kind of earned and given, you know, to
0: people that earn it. Absolutely. I mean, very, very well said. Um, what, what I admire about what you've built there is, uh, you have an Academy where you have children and professionals have been the best, some of the best pros in the world. I mean, that is not an easy thing to manage and to do. Uh, do you run the school like a business or do you do you look at it as more of an academy and a, and a place of learning?
1: Oh man. I think that anything to be successful it has to be growing, right? Or it has to be a, a, definitely like a, a deliberate intent of growth. But if you're not growing, you're dying. You know, you're shrinking. Especially nowadays, you know, most people that teach martial arts, they have to sign a lease and they've dedicated their life to this. So there's a lot of, a lot of, inherent risk you know that every sort of like business endeavor has to pay our building is uh is purchased so you know like there's there's a mortgage to be paid there's salaries to be paid and 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 i love jujitsu and there there, it's not so much anymore but there is there is this thought that like if you really love jujitsu like you don't make money with it, you know, like you're going to teach it out of your basement and, you know, you're not going to take any money. Like, like you want to know who's really, like, crazy about technology? It's, it's Bill Gates. And it was, uh, it's Apple. And it's Google. It's not someone that's building, you know, stuff out of their basement. Yeah, I'm sure there's some genius building stuff out of their basement, but the ones that they really influenced the most people. The reason why everyone has an iPhone and, and Gmail and, you know, Microsoft computers is it's because those guys were passionate enough and they took all the risks and they put all the work. And yeah, you may have started in a garage, but it would not be what it is today if you had stayed in the garage. Like, like if you look at a Apple headquarters, it looks nothing like a garage.
0: <laughs> you know, it
1: looks like a flying saucer. Yeah. And and because they they've always had this growth mindset, and I think with the schools, and I think with jujitsu in general, everyone that trains jujitsu has experienced so much positiveness in a world that has so much negativity. That it's our duty, right? Like it's 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 upon us to share the message and get more people involved, you know. And we cannot do it in a in a way that it's not. The most professional way, unless well, it's a proper, just through academy with you know someone's name on the list. I, there's nothing wrong with someone teaching. I, I thought out had a record before. That was 20 years ago, over 20 years ago. There's nothing wrong with someone doing it for passion. But the people that are going to have the most influence, the people that are going to be able to reach the most people, you know, it's like, if I could teach 100 kids, I'll do what it takes to teach 100 kids. If I could teach. 500 I will do what it takes if I could teach a thousand ten thousand I will do what it takes because I really believe that you just Could bring something to their lives that nothing else can and You know, jiu is very different than like a merchant type of mentality that you buy something for a dollar and you sell it for two or you know, you buy something from some sweatshop in China. They're like little kids or being put to work, breaking every single labor law, and all of a sudden you put a label on it and you sell it for, you know, a couple hundred dollars, like, that's not what we're doing with Jiu-Jitsu. And no matter how successful any school is, like uh, like a Henry Gracie Academy, you know, or a couple of the Gracie Baja schools, and, you know, some of the really big schools, no matter how successful they are, it's not enough. I wish they were times as successful, because not only are they going to impact those people, and a lot, like, with the mindset that I've had, you know, Tom the glass went out and opened his school i had a bunch of my a bunch of my students went, went out and opened their schools and you know and i thought tom and tom taught gary and gary taught uh gordon and it's all because not only me but him all embedded in us this growth mindset of always helping people out of always passing forward you know, the great stuff that we got from Jiu Jitsu be it confidence, be it fitness, be it health, or ideally all, all of those. You know, and so when someone says, Oh, you know, like you run it like a business, yeah, can you tell me anything else that's worth you putting your life into it that you're not going to run like a business? You know what I mean? Like it's like you're going to get coached. Like, who's the best, like, uh, like coach John Woodham? Why was he so good? Bill Belichick, why is it so good? Is he coaching the NFL? These guys coaching the NBA or, you know, they're coaching college teams or they're coaching, like, the like some little kids' league in their free time. No, they've dedicated their lives to it. And that, that's why the legends – so with jiu-jitsu, I believe it's the same. You know, like, unless it's someone that's truly dedicating their lives and – and I think we still have a long way to go. You're someone that has other successful businesses that are not in, in perhaps, the martial arts or service business. Like, you know that to, for any venture to truly reach its full potential, like, it has to be run in a professional way, I believe. I, can,
0: I completely agree with you, and you just put it perfectly. Uh, that really is the essence of what I'm trying to get at with this project. Uh, I do believe that if you open a jujitsu Academy or any martial arts school with the intention of making it sustainable, that you should filter the same principles that have made you successful as a martial artist to your business or to any endeavor that you do, whether it's art or, uh, or continued learning, you want to use that framework and the methodology of what you use to be successful in one thing in the other thing. And so you just put it, you just put it perfectly. That's exactly, uh, that's exactly right. I, I agree with you hundred percent. You brought up Henzo, uh, who is an influence on you. You named your son after Henzo. I imagine. Yes. Um,
1: he was running around,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, <sure. laughs> I wanted myself to have a name that he could look and Like, I mean, you know, my name is after that guy, you know, like that, you know, it's I'm not just you know, nothing against John. Like I'm not just a little John Smith, like my dad. <laughs> listen to this guy and you know, it was in honor of him. So yeah, I think, I think a name is an important
0: thing. That's a, 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 an amazing name. And every time that I've had the opportunity to meet Henzo and or train under Henzo on the, on the few rare occasions, when he shook my hand and he put his arm over me, he made me feel like I was his friend for 20 years. Yeah. And I noticed that that's how he is. In February of 2020, right before COVID happened, I took a seminar at his Brooklyn Academy in in, uh, Williamsburg and there were about 120 people on the mat and he stayed around for half, first of all, it was a three-hour seminar and then he stayed around until every single person left the mat and anybody who wanted to talk to him, take a picture with him, he stayed the whole time. He was the last person to leave the mat. I couldn't believe it. You know, sometimes you think about a, a, you know, a celebrity type figure or someone who um, has achieved the kind of success that he has, you know, they come, they take a couple pictures. Good to see everybody. I'll see you soon. And I said to myself off that, uh, seminar, that's why he is the top of the top, the best of the best. And, uh, I was, I was wondering if you could uh, talk about his influence on you when you, uh, when you came over to, uh, the U S or I guess you're from the United States originally, but you returned.
1: Yeah, I was born here when my parents were going to grad school. They actually were in Manhattan College. like So I was born like up in the in Harlem. And uh, when they finished their master's, they moved back to Brazil. So I grew up in Rio. And I moved back up here when I was 20. I was so lucky that Henzo and his wife, Christina, welcomed me into their home. The first day I got off the plane, I lived with Henzo and we take the train into New York to to teach class and you know spend a whole lot of time with him and it's been a huge influence in my life you know especially I was always a shy kid growing up you know like I was never too much of a people person and and through hands like I learned how important it is to just to make people feel welcome and not not as a trick like not as like a technique but just in general you know to. Especially as people walk into the more, into a martial arts school, like when you walk into a martial arts school, everyone is nervous, you know, like, I'm like, man, what am I doing here? Should I do it?" The amount of courage that it takes for someone to take their first class—it's—it's it's enormous. And and you know, Hansel taught me very early on, and not, we never like, "Hey, Ricardo, you have, you know, here's lesson number one," like Mister Miyagi, you know, "Wax on, wax off." No, it's just like I was like. He's such a such a people person. He takes the time to, to connect with people and to to influence them in a positive way. Like you cannot spend time with them with him and not feel lifted. You know, like whatever was your mood from before. And it, again, it's been a huge uh, a huge aspect of his life. You know, he's opened so many doors, not only for himself but for the people around him. And, and then, you know, Hansel influenced me in other ways, too, you know, he influenced me in, you know, when it comes to fighting and then when it comes to teaching, you know, like, for people who don't realize that Hansel doesn't teach that much anymore. Man, he's such an incredible teacher. You know, yeah. He, again, I, I, in so many ways, I was raised so different than what Hansel was as a person that he had an even bigger impact on me, you know, like, so... I was always like very serious and you know, my dad was uh, a university professor also, so everything was like cut and dry and Hansel and, and his teachings, everything was about, you know, trying to figure out like not a shortcut, but like one technique that could solve the problem, you know. And to me, it was like, oh you gotta work hard, you have to do this, you have to do that. So I've I've learned to be more technical, I've learned to pay more attention to the technology, you know. I learned so much from my students you know like I, I think a big part of why I make people feel welcome and come into the school is I learned that from him and, and I kind of do it on purpose like I give like plenty of room for my guys to come hey you know Carl what do you think about this leg lock what do you think about this what do you think about that and I always thought like Henry would always take the time when someone came like oh I'm gonna you sure this move that I made up in my head or that I saw on YouTube or that I saw here or somebody taught at a center He'll always take the time to learn. And then he could do it offensive. And then yeah. he figure out the defense. And it's a craft, you know. Like I think wherever he goes, someone shows him a technique. Like he always tries to figure that te- the technique out from every angle, offensively, defensively. You know, where would you go? How would you enter this? How would you follow up with this and that? And yeah, it's been a big influence uh into me, you know. Like I have like very little. We all have an ego, but I have very little ego as an instructor as far as, like, oh, someone comes and shows a move. Oh, no, like, you learn from this guy and that guy and the other guy. No, like, I'm, I've am i learned from Henzo to be super relaxed and to, to don't, as he says, don't be deaf to other people's knowledge.
0: He is an incredible guy, and just being in—I'm only in his sphere. You know, I'm two or three degrees out. You are one. You have a direct connection to him. But through my sensei and being in the New York area and being having just some access to him and his teachings has been, you know, the thing that I believe is the most impactful thing on my life. So, I, so I was—I advise uh, a couple of my teammates when they come to me every once in a while and they they want business advice. And so I've been mentoring, uh, one of my teammates and the first thing that we did was I said, who are the people in your life, in your sphere of influence that would be willing to help you? He's been having all this trouble getting his career kickstarted as a, as a realtor. So he says, I have a hard time making connections. I said, well, you asked me for help and I'm helping you. That is one connection right there. And I said, who, who were you training with last night at, at the dojo? And he said, I think it was, oh, this guy. I said, you think it was this guy? I said, all those teammates, I want you to know their first and last name. I want you to know everything that they do. I want you to be friends with them on Facebook and LinkedIn. And every single new student that walks in, you be the guy that welcomes them into the dojo. And then all of a sudden, there's 100 connections right there. You don't have to network. You're already networking. You're sweating with them on the mat. And then don't ask them for things. Just go and be of service to them if they need something and watch how your career is going to flourish just by being the kind of guy that Henzo is, you know, the kind of guy that looks you in the eye, shakes your hand, and is genuine. he's genuinely doing those things. Like you said, it's not a trick. This isn't a ploy. It's not a strategy. You're just doing the most simple, basic thing that there is and forming great relationships with people. And that's been a cornerstone in my career across multiple industries. I run a commercial real estate business. Uh, I have uh, 30 properties in 10 states, I have about 400 commercial tenants. And then I run a a women's fashion business. I have uh, 12 retail women's stores that I started that business with my sister 11 years ago. And then we have an e-commerce business for that. And when people wanna know like the secret sauce, how do you have the secret sauce? It's just how you treat people, that's it. That's the whole, how, how do you treat? You treat your vendors well, you treat your landlords well. Or are they your enemies? Is everybody your enemy? Are you are you battling with your customers? And um, and jujitsu has been the most perfect and most more, it's more explicit in the academy than it is in the business world. In the academy, it's, it's raw, you know, you feel it. You're working with the training partner. If you stink, you smell, people don't wanna train with you. If you're a spaz, they don't wanna train with you. Uh, in business, it's a little less explicit, you know, People, if you're, if you're, if there's a, if there's an exchange of money, you may not be squeezing the most out of those relationships just because of the nature of the business. But when you form really great business relationships based on trust or some mutual understanding, then it really starts to flourish. And so I try, I'm, I'm, my goal with this book is to tell these stories through this lens. And I'm going to include your story right there. You know, your experience with Henzo it's, it is really, it's amazing. Uh, you, you've, you have so many students who have done incredible things are there any that stand out to you right off the tip of your tongue that uh, have started businesses or maybe that aren't in the in the limelight that have been influenced in this way
1: i mean all my guys have gone on i mean, not all my guys but, you know i have a bunch of black belts that I have gone on to open their own schools you know and, and they've all gone through that process of you know being like you know, perhaps, like, a little bit younger and being more to themselves. And then they open, like, a small location. And maybe in the beginning they struggle a little bit, but then they get the handle of it, and they move to a bigger location, and they start to serve more people. And, and yeah, it's like a, dealing with people is a really great uh, motivator, and it's a really great teacher, you know? Like, you you can only, like, be a shepherd. You know, like, there's only, like, so many sheep that you could take care of. And, um, and you do it with love and you do it with passion, and, and the guys, you know, they grow with it. You know, they, they become better and better at it. You know, like in the beginning, it's all about, you know, like the technical aspect of jiu-jitsu, and then, you know, maybe they start talking about, you know, benefits of training jiu-jitsu, you know, and then eventually they're able to teach more than just the technique and then more than the benefits. Like they're able to take people that will, Walk through the door and really have an impact in their lifestyle. They give them, start getting their, you know, they create an environment that's friendly so their entire family comes and trains, right? That's what I had in my. It didn't really dawn on me until I was kids. You know, I used to be just some young guy and, you know, the school was all tough guys. I had like 15, 20 students, I don't know. And it wasn't until I had kids. And I was teaching, school started growing. I was like, man, like, is this the type of environment I want my kids to train? right? Like, that was my main motivation. And eventually I was like, all right, cool, I got to create a kids program and, you know, a few years, many years down the road, my kids started training But like, try to create an environment that everyone will feel comfortable bringing their families because really going to have an impact on impact someone's life. Uh, one thing is if just one, one person in the family trains, another thing is if, you know, the kids, you don't have to, you know, always train and some guys are reluctant to bring their significant others to train because it's kind of like their own free time and I understand that but eventually there will be opportunities maybe it's like the self defense self-defense class or things like that but you get your family involved in what you do it has a much bigger impact in your lifestyle yeah it's kind
0: absolutely.
1: of like if you, try to, if, you, if you try to be a vegan and all your family eat steak it's probably gonna be hard but <laughs> <laughs> if you know, like if your whole family is kind of like into the lifestyle, it makes it so much easier for everyone, you know, and it has a much bigger impact. And I think at the end, it's what jiu jitsu is about. And, and, and for jiu jitsu to have a positive uh, impact in, you know, people's lives, like not the entire family has to train, but you have to kind of have, you know, experience all of that. So the that. I,
0: I I, don't want to wrongly assume, but I, I assume because of, you know, your career has been in the martial arts a big part of your social circle and your friends and your family and your people that have intermarried are somehow touched jujitsu. Uh, when you took this class and went outside your comfort zone and now all of a sudden you're interacting with people who may not even have known who you are. Um, was that, did that feel refreshing to like be able to go and like just the reason why I'm asking is because I'm fascinated by risk and fear and going outside the comfort zone. And it's, you know, you, you, for me, my family doesn't, I don't think that they fully understand my obsession and passion for jujitsu. They were never connected to the martial arts. They know it's something that I do. I think that they still have a hard time understanding that it's not something that I do. It's some, it's something that I am and, and how deeply ingrained it is in me. Even when I'm not training jujitsu, I'm doing jujitsu, whether I'm speaking to someone or writing a business deal. And so, for someone like you, when you are you have an identity that is of a former professional fighter and a world champion and a Pan American champion, and when you step out and do something that's not a part of that world, what was it like?
1: I mean, yeah, like I've gotten pretty good at like you know entering a space that I haven't been, and like I you know like my 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 greeting card, if you will, was not like hey, I'm just a fighter, you know. Um, we got plenty of situations like day in life, and to me, it's actually refreshing, man. Like, everywhere I go, people are like, oh, what about the people want to, only want to talk about the UFC with me, man? <laughs> like Sometimes I have to really, like, pay attention because people want to talk about fights, and I'm like, man, like, I see this all day, every day, you know, to talk about something else, you know what I mean? Like, so definitely, like, you know, the other way around, like, a conversation starter, you know, of course, like, we just had awesome fights this weekend, and yeah, of course, I want to talk about that, you know, Connor, and and stuff, but like everywhere I go, people want to talk about fighting, and ask all these questions and stuff. Like to me, it's pretty cool and refreshing to be able to have conversations about different things, you know. And typically, it happens me when I travel. Like I travel a lot. I surf, mm-hmm. so you know, me and my uh, me and my girlfriend like we travel a lot. We try to go on these surf trips, so we meet like the coolest people. And you know, I don't even really know that I fought or anything. I'm saying I'm just some Brazilian dude that lives in the United States, you know, like and. We get down to, like, Nicaragua and meet a a bunch of cool people. And we made friends that, you know, we still keep in touch. And then later on, they're like, holy crap, dude. Like, you know, they go back on Instagram and stuff. And they see where it's with the UFC. They're like, yeah, man, like, I didn't know that you do that. So they're, like, pleasantly surprised. But that's definitely not how I kind of, like, you know, you know, when I travel, like, I don't wear, like, jiu-jitsu stuff. So I just kind of, like, you know, keep my, uh, like, incognito, if you will, you know? Yeah. When people find out i think it's uh it's more of like a cool thing oh dang this guy you know trains this guy frankie yeah, alvarez you have a just school dang you're black belt this is oh you're black belt damn <laughs> but um yeah people get you know they're like oh cool in some ways it builds my trust with them like even there you know but with the with the with the online course there wasn't so much interaction there was a couple a couple of group uh, group things you know a couple of people knew jujitsu. I think one guy trained jujitsu, so he knew kind of, you know, who I was, and he had trained with somebody, the guy was from Texas, but um, it was a lot of, like, you know, women that, you know, run, they're like, you know, there was, like, people they were coming from the health uh, industry, some people coming from, you know, like, personal trainers, so there was people from all walks of life, you know, like, and you kind of, like, especially in to me, you know, in a student, you know, in something like that, it's like, man, like, can I bring something to the group? That's kind of how I'm going to measure my input. You know? or can I help people out? Can I, you know, at least, like, do my work and make sure that I'm not, you know, taken away from the group? Then, you know, that's kind of my mindset, like, when I go into a different setting.
0: Yeah.
1: It was pretty interesting, man. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of interaction with people that would not have met otherwise, you know
0: before you uh, signed up or when you signed up or the night before your first class did you get those those butterflies in the stomach like did it, did it was it something that made you a little scared like oh my god what am I taking on this is gonna be 15 extra hours a week of work and I'm already running an academy and I'm coaching professional fighters
1: I mean there was a little bit man but to be honest like whenever you do something new, I think that sometimes you have no idea what you're signing yourself up for. You know what I mean? like it was. I remember the first week, I was like, "Oh, I kind of know this stuff." And you know, I did my first assignment, and we handed the assignment in. And you
0: know,
1: right away, I got a note from the teachers. Like, "Hey, Ricardo, like, I could see that you know the subject, but I need you to go a little bit, a little bit deeper." You know, just some Stanford professor that you know wanted me to really like go into the science. Man, like, I got a grade that I was, I was pissed off about the grade. <laughs> and like, man. it had been, you know, a long, long time since I had actually been to school, tradi- like traditional school where you're going into taking classes, doing assignment, you know, writing up assignments and things like that. So I don't think I knew exactly what I signed. Kind of like when I had my first MMA fight. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. And then you're in there, someone's like punch you in the face. You're like, oh, man. Well, someone's going to start a business and they think that, you know, the first month, a bunch of people are going to show up and you're going to be immediately, you know, uh, financially independent. And, you know, nobody knocks on your door and then you're like, oh, man, what am I doing? What do I do now? So I definitely went through that moment and then I'm like, all right, we just kind of like batten down the hatches. When I sit down to do this thing, I got to go deeper into the into the science and, you know give the professors the type of answers that they want, you know, like if I was teaching, I want the same, so just being yeah. respectful towards the teacher, but yeah, it was pretty cool, but not so much what I got myself into, but like, I don't want to say arrogance, but just kind of like aloof, you know, like, ah, you know, like, it would be cool, I'll just sit down, I'll read, I'll write, And it wasn't like that at all, it was very, very labor-intensive to me, you know, yeah. especially being, I, I could probably write better in English than I can in Portuguese now, but it's still a foreign language, especially when it starts to be scientific language?
0: It's uh, When I took the courses similar to yours at, at the Harvard Business School Online, it was three courses that I had already taken in college uh, 12 years before. Business Analytics, which is statistic, statistics, accounting, and finance. Except when I retook these courses uh, with 11, 12 years of business under my belt, I was able to filter it through my real life experiences. And having had all that business experience, I enjoyed it in a way that I never thought I would. But I hadn't, like you, I hadn't taken a test in over a decade and it was terrifying for me to sign up. But one of the thing I advise the people that I, I speak to and my employees, it doesn't stop. You know, college is not the end. If you want to be great, if you want to be successful, you need to keep sharpening that sword every single day, and just keep going back, whether it's to the mat or to a mentor, or in your case and in my case, uh, to to some of these amazing continuing education classes that are out there. Uh, I'm so grateful that they exist. The professors at the, at the school that I at the Harvard Business School; those are Harvard Business School professors. So you have now access, because of technology, to the best professors in the world. And I just don't think that there's any excuse in 2021 and beyond not to go take advantage of these things if you want to be successful. And so uh, I, I, I commend you and, and I'm so grateful for you putting that up. Uh, I'm also grateful that you post those pictures of you running because people need to see that it doesn't just happen. You know, that's why I think there's a, social media could be terrible. But it could also be very powerful to help people understand that the most successful people in the world, like yourself, they got there because they don't stop working. You know, they don't they don't stop working and they keep they keep at it.
1: And it takes time, man. You know, like I I started running. I mean, my kids run, so it was kind of like I started running a little bit more just to kind of like get a little bit more into their world, you know. But I started running during the pandemic because I made a decision early on that I wasn't going to train. You know, like, I haven't been training at all. Like every once in a while. I'll roll. I have a couple of guys that I train. Uh, one of my friends, actually, he's 70 years old. He drives from New York. He's, he's a bad man. You know what I mean? Like, he's awesome. He runs a very successful school in Krav uh, Maga School. But he's he just got vaccinated, so it's cool to train him. But I could be the person that makes everybody sick. You know what I mean? Like, Frankie Edgar is fighting next week. So if I... You know, if I just kinda of play around with some little kid in class and the little kid went to a birthday party and he makes me sick and I make Frankie sick, there goes Frankie's fight out of the window, you know. So because yeah. I'm a, so many people and such up close and personal, I like I made the decision even when we were shut down that I wasn't gonna train uh until we were kinda of, like out of the woods with this. So I haven't been training, I started running. And man, like I've been running at least like a hundred miles like a month every month since. But I started doing that like around May. So when it's 12 months, i probably am still a white belt. Like people see it, like oh, Ricardo, you just ran you know this many miles, man. Like you, you're fast. Like you, you have to... no. Like, in the running world, I'm not like my kids like smoke me, and then I'm trying. You know I mean? Like especially my son, him running. Like I don't run. I jog compared to him. You know? Like, see him run. It's kind of like. First time you're wiped out and coming to the school and you roll with a purple belt. It's like, might as well be a nailing. It might as well be like a superhero. You know what I mean? Because like, there's yeah. nothing you can do. Well, I've been running, you know, 100 miles a, uh, a month at least, but, and I still struggle, man. You know, like, it's so freaking hard. So maybe by May, it will be 12 months. I kind of give myself a blue belt and see where I am by there. You know, yeah. hopefully the vaccines will be, you know, more widespread and I'll be able to get back to training.
0: I think we're gonna to have to put your son in charge of the belting system in the in the household <laughs> is he how old is your son He's 18 Wow so he's finishing up it's crazy I, I like I said at the beginning of this podcast it's hard to believe that you have an 18 year old I say that with all sincerity uh, but I guess you started fighting there. when was your first uh, professional fight How old were you
1: I was twenty one in fight
0: yeah. That's why. Yeah. I love some of those old stories that you've told in the public domain on podcasts over the years I've heard of the early pride days and being over there with Henzo and, and backstage with Matt Sarah. And those are such great stories. It's not the uh, it's not the key to this. And I know that's what everybody wants to talk to you about, but those really are incredible stories.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was different times, you know, and and um, it got us to where we are now. look at how big mma has gotten following and i think it definitely has contributed to the growth of jiu-jitsu you know and and i'm very grateful for those times and and as well as the evolution of the sport
0: yeah great well i'm extremely grateful for you and ricardo if there's any way that i could be of service to you in any way in the business world or anything else please don't hesitate to reach out to me and uh, it's an honor to have you as a contributor to this project and I'm sure that a lot of young people in the business world who touch jujitsu and starting their careers are gonna gonna get a lot from this conversation.
1: Sure, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity and to think of jujitsu and what we do from a different light and, and, and an important one. You know, if we're gonna be teaching more people and have more participants and, and really make a dent, like look at look at the times that we're living, how unhealthy people are physically and mentally. And jujitsu can do so much for people. Uh, and it has done so much during this really really tough time that we're all living through. So yeah, whatever we can do to make it better, more professional, teach more people, I think that's
0: very well. Yeah, absolutely. Last question before we go, just a little informal poll of all of your students, the whole pop of the adult students. How many of them do you think are in some kind of business versus professional fighter? Would you say like ninety percent professionals, ninety-five, and then
1: ninety-nine.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's why I'm so inspired to do this project. I want to speak to all the people in the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu community who this has touched their life so much and uh, give them some context and a roadmap to help them get some success in other parts of their life too. So thank you for being a part of that.
1: Thank you, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity.